This is Colossus, and you are listening to The High Regard Show. The High Regard Show. It's... Rock, flag, and eagle! Check out The High Regard Show. New episodes every Monday. Hey everybody, I'm Tom. And I'm Nikki. And this is the High Regard Show. In which we talk about things we hold in high regard. Very high. High above Harlem. Way up on the third floor. Moving on up. Oh, it don't get better than that. No, sir, it doesn't. Season two. Season two. This is it. Not only is it season two, but if you want to know a little secret. What's a secret? Secret, secret. I've got a secret. We're recording this show a week in advance. Because by the time you hear this, I will be in surgery. That's a scary thought, to be honest. No way, man. I am so looking forward to surgery next week. You are like the only person in the world that I think like looks forward to surgery. And it's not that you're looking forward to surgery. You're looking forward to the dope that you're going to get. <laughs> really like, that's am. what you're looking forward to. You have no idea. Let me tell you. Um, I guess it was maybe like a year and a half ago. I passed a kidney stone at work. Which isn't uncommon for me. I was going through this spurt where every like six months or so I was passing a kidney stone. And after the first, the first one scared the shit out of me. No joke, right? (laughs) I remember laying on the bathroom floor, blood everywhere. Okay, my God. Why are you starting this show like this? Because I want to give you a basic idea of how it works out with me. You're welcome, listeners. (laughs) Yeah, so I go to the hospital and I don't know what's wrong. They immediately say, kidney stone they know what it is and as soon as they say kidney stone put the iv in my arm start the morphine drip and i'm like going i will pass a kidney stone for every six months (laughs) if this is the reward at the end of the rainbow like seriously i've never the only time i was ever put under aside from like when i was sick as a kid was when i got my wisdom teeth out and it was like i remember them like they're like okay count backward from 10 and i was like 10 were you like one of the people that they film like on Facebook, like in the back Probably. of the car, just like mumbling and stuff? Well, <laughs> to be honest with you, my brother saved a message that I left on his answering machine for like four years because Jesus. it was like ridiculous because I was like, <laughs> in my head, I was like, hey, I'm out of surgery. Mom's taking me home now. They gave me Percocet. I'm really excited. That's what I said. But that's not what came out of my mouth. Well, no, that's the best thing about it. But see, the thing that scares me though is that when I, I mean, obviously, the anesthesia that I got for wisdom teeth is way different than you get for, you know, a surgery because, like, you get, like, you know, whatever. The good shit. You get the good like, shit. Really good. I woke up while they were still, uh. like, chopping my teeth and, like, I could hear the, like, bone crunching and shit. And I'm like, Alec, Alec, Alec. <laughs> I was so, oh my God, it was awful. But like, I couldn't feel it. I could just hear, just hear it. Just sound and, and like, smell. There's a smell too. Uh, there when is you're a smell. Oh my God, it was awful. It's like smoke and just like, you know. Blood. 
Yeah. Like, like metallic. Little, like like little bits of shit. Inside oh my God, it was just <laughs> disgusting. And I think that is why I'm so petrified to get surgery done because I'm so afraid that like I'm going to wake up halfway through and like nah. feel like see everything. You totally won't, man. I mean, look, we talked about this when we were doing like colonoscopy and, endo, endo, and endoscopy <laughs> and stuff like that not too long ago, which is the beginning of this whole process. And my only question was, do you get knocked out? And they were like, yes. And I'm like, rape away. Do whatever you feel like. You, all my orifices are open to you as long as I'm not awake for it. Like, seriously, I don't care. And honestly, Tom after surgery is like one of my favorite Toms. Like, it's up there. Like, it's like, because you are just this bear and you're just like, hey. And you just want your Lorna Dune cookie. And yeah, you just like want to eat it like you're dipping into a honey pot. Like, <laughs> you're a, so cute. I get a cookie and a ginger ale. Have at me, man. Have at me. You're just like, hey. And then I remember when we got like whatever one it was, you were just like, you started to come out of it. And they're like, okay, you can eat. Because you had to like fast for like 24 hours or something like that. So you were a monster when you went in. And then when they were like, you could eat as soon as you get, you're out of here. And there was a Boston Market across from the hospital. And you were like, I want my Boston Market. And at was, 11 o'clock in the morning. At 11 o'clock in the morning. We were literally like the first people there. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to eat a fucking turkey dinner. Like at 11 o'clock in the morning. What? But it didn't stop you, did it? It did not stop me. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> all right. So with all that that information why don't we like get rolling with a you heard nikki so (laughs) this week's you heard is kind of unprecedented because instead of trying to go with, you know, the theme of the show, I'm dedicating this week's You Heard to you, my beloved, beloved, and my co-host of The High Regard Show. I can only imagine. And this comes to us from the elevator of 40 Wall Street, where I once worked many moons ago. Mm, And might again someday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's hope not 40 Wall. Well, all right. I know he's new and all, but when I was eating my burger for lunch and he asked me if I eat junk food a lot, I wanted to smash my burger in his fucking face. (laughs) (laughs) And that be this week's You Heard. Let me tell you, I can relate to that struggle. <laughs> there is no doubt. I always wondered, like, when am I going to be able to, like, maybe fit that in? And I feel that this is, like, a that good week to do That was a pretty good one. Because next week I won't be hungry. Yeah. This is it. Like, I'm not going to be hungry next week because we'll have the surgery and stuff like that. And they say after you have it, you're not hungry. So, I mean, big deal. Um, what's strange is, like, these weird little things that happen. Like, today when you and I were, you know... In the supermarket, getting the stuff. Which I hate going with you anyway, because you're such a goddamn brat when we go to the grocery store. But let me tell you, right now, it is an... And and you did say, like, you had a very good analogy for it. It is like putting an alcoholic in a bar. Like, I have a food addiction. I'm a guy, yeah, I 100% yeah. do. And anybody 
who eats as good or as often as we have over the years. <laughs> you can't give it any other label right, outside yeah, of no, that. No, absolutely. And it's weird to me because I always thought that everybody was like that. And I remember, like, during the week, just talking to Tyler Durden about, like, different meals that I miss and stuff. And her just looking at me, she's like, that don't do nothing for me. That don't do nothing for me. That don't do nothing for me. Yeah, and no. I'm like going, you've got to be kidding. Like, how does that not do, like, it's a different mindset. No, and she she's very, like, she's annoying in that way when it's like, you know, I want to go to the store once a week. And it's like, well, what do you feel like dinner? And you and I are always like, we always have an answer. Like, Yeah, I can think of four, 15 things four right days, now. Four <laughs> days from now, this is what I'm thinking of eating. And she's just like, I don't know. I don't know, because she doesn't live to eat like we do. She eats to live. Right. We live to eat. And, and your mom's the same way. Yeah. When when we were like, when your mom came to visit and we were talking about like different food options, you know, because we were like, oh, we'll have stuff delivered. We'll go out to a restaurant, we'll, mm-hmm. whatever. She was just like, whatever, I don't care. And I'm like, all right. And I would be like, do you want chicken franchise? Do you want ziti? Do you want like yeah. all this stuff? And she was like going, eh, it really doesn't matter. Whatever you want to get is fine. Yeah. And it's like going, really? Me, I'd be like going, let me see the menu. I got to like read but, through everything. I got to know which yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. And this is somebody who I went home with, you know, my, my brother who is a very healthy eater. You know, and he'll he'll drink when he'll drink what he wants. He'll eat what he wants. But like he does it in moderation. Like he won't do it to like, okay, well, I have to finish this cake now. You know, but like <clears throat> she made like all of these things. And it's just like, and then she gets upset when we don't eat it. And it's like. Okay, like, yeah, you don't live to eat, but, like, you kind of don't make it easy for us not to live to eat because you're making all these great things. And then she doesn't eat it. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like know that, when I go to yeah. visit her, it's like that. When she puts out, like, all these chips and she'll have, like, one or two. Yeah. And then it's like, me, I'll just sit there and, and eat till the bag is gone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know? And if we did any different, like, it wouldn't be... A good, like, you know what I mean? Like, she would get upset if we didn't do that. And then it's upset if we did that and then we don't eat dinner. And it's like a big, vicious circle. Yes. And it is also strange because as far as, far as like, when we're ordering stuff, every weekend you and I would, like, look at, like, let's say chicken fingers and be like, well, how many are in there? <laughs> because we will base where we order from on how much food we right, get exactly, from them. Yeah. Like, it's like... All right, when restaurants are preparing food, they know how many, like, chicken wings is a normal order. Four or six. We're, like, going, yeah, but if we get it from this other restaurant, we can get ten. <laughs> for, you know, yes. even if it is so a it's a ch- Yes, so we're making changes for the better. Yes. It might not be for the better right now, because right now is, you know, very hard on you and... Sucks for attitude for everybody else. It sucks for everybody else. Yes, yes. Eating in secret when the, when I hear the water turn on and it's like, okay, I can <laughs> rustle the bag now. Not that I'm binging or anything like that, but I, I just know you're not. I don't want to eat in front of you. I don't like. And think you it's can. Fair. You have to I do know, it because I, I have to get used to what it is. But you can't throw me in front of the meat counter at the supermarket. And then, like, not expect me to lose my mind because it's just. I what didn't it's even be. put you there. You just had to walk past it to get to the other part. I didn't design the bait. Well, I didn't design the store. Ugh. Anyway, do you know who else who is changing for the good that I feel? Who, Tom? This week's guest. <laughs> <laughs> did I do good? You did. The segue, I was like, what the hell does this have to do Where with Where is he going with this? <laughs> there, is, there is a grand design. 
it, there's like, a method to wait his for madness. It to unfold. Yes. It's just got, it takes a little, un, a like little you, time to unfold. You gotta let Mario Lopez get the Mario <laughs> Lopez out of his system, and then like you know the world can turn again. What's gonna happen when this whole ordeal's over, and we don't have anything to bitch about as far as food goes or anything like that? Like I don't I don't know what it's gonna be like, but we'll see. I don't know. Maybe you'll be a happier New Yorker. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and there was much laughing. Don't even. Elections are coming up. We'll have something to bitch about either way. We're probably going to have a lot to bitch about then. <laughs> we could start now, but we're going to save that for a little bit. So, Nikki, this week's interview, would you like to unveil? Yes. This week's interview is Sean Hoots from the band Hoots and Hellmouth, who we spoke to in advance of their fourth studio album in the trees which comes out on october 28th um the band it's a funny story because i actually had talked to this band way back when i was you know i moonlighted as a music writer for an arts and entertainment newspaper in northeastern pennsylvania may i interrupt you for a moment i'm sure you will moonlighted you work there like 60 hours a week (laughs) (laughs) i moonlighted as a music writer in addition to all my other duties so i was a music writer in addition to you know <laughs> Your idea of moonlighting is far different than mine is just like laying on the couch and watching a movie. <laughs> well, there you go. But I had interviewed this band, I'm going to say maybe back in 2008, um, right like around the time that they released their first album, which was called Hoots and Hellmouth. And they had this one song that I loved that was called Home in a Boxcar, because I'm a rail fan, as many of you may not know, which is just you a You love your hobos. Thing. I do love my hobos, <laughs> and I love my trains, and I love my rail fanning. But, you know, they were like a real bluegrassy feel, and they're releasing this new album that's a little bit of a departure from their sound, but it, it, it's not so much a departure as it is... An expansion. A growth, an expansion. Yes. Like yes. It, it's it's a it's a growth period for them, and it's like their first album in like five years. You know, they took a lot, like they they took a vacation from the road just to kind of live life a little bit. So, you know, Sean talked to us about the new album, about recording in a former silversmith mill in um, a Philadelphia suburb because the band is from Philly, and you know, he just talked about what you know he would tell past Sean you know, from when the band first began. So let's see what Sean had to say. All right, let's roll that bean footage. Well, thank you so much for talking to the High Regard Show. The last time you and I spoke, um, it was just before your show at the Bog in Scranton many, many moons ago. So it's oh, really that was be- many moons ago. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be really great to catch up with you. So um, you guys are set to release In the Trees on October 28th. Why the five-year break between this and your last album, Salt? Uh, oh, life. <laughs> uh, all, all kinds of things uh, in the interim. Um, we uh, the the record itself the the material was actually recorded two years ago. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's been the whole thing has just been a, a a process and and trying to you know get things done and then realizing we wanted them done differently and then redoing <laughs> them and you know it's just a a process of that. Uh, but also after we uh, released Salt uh, all those moons ago, um, we. We took a little break. We had been touring pretty hardcore mm-hmm. for a while. Um, and, you know, I I personally wanted to uh, put the brakes on for a little while and just kind of um, 
enjoy um, my wife and the house that we had just bought in Philly and, and sort of, you know, settle for a little bit because, you know, life on the road, while it has its, its, uh, its fun and its merits, uh, can definitely burn you out singing the same songs over and over again every night and, yeah. you know, kind of kind of squeezed, squeezed out my creative juices a little bit more than I, uh, I liked and, you know, I just wanted to, to kind of reconnect with, with home life and just sort of mm-hmm. also experience other things. You know, I wanted I wanted to play other music. I wanted to to, to be I wanted to collaborate with other folks. Um, you know, and just kind of feel feel out different things. And, and it's been ex- extremely rejuvenating for me uh, to be able to do all those kinds of things. And you know, it, it allowed everybody else to to get involved in other things as well, which I think. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and once we got back together, we brought all of those things to the table, and uh, that's why you know one of the reasons that I feel like this this new record really does sound quite a bit different than the ones that preceded it because you know we kind of took a break from being that band that was churning yeah. out a lot of a lot of what it was before, and then came back together and like oh, all right, we have uh, you know we have some new some new inspirations, some new uh, new directions, new angles, and uh, new instruments, like all kinds of fun things. So, you know, it was uh, it was a break that I think we all needed, and uh, ultimately, I think benefited uh, our our continuing. Great, and you know, did the band's writing process change a little bit too? You know, did you you know you approach the album obviously differently after the long break, but did you know, the way that you approached making an album change as well? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I've always uh, been the, well, actually in the, in the early days uh, when Andrew was still in the band, who was the uh, the titular Hellmouth uh, at that point, um, he and I would bring our songs to the table, you know, individually. The ones that he sang lead on were his songs that he wrote, and, mm-hmm. and then mine were the ones that I sang lead on, and then you know, we would bring those to the table and everybody would sort of work out the arrangement. Um, and then once he left the band, which I guess at this point has been about seven years at this point, um, it was just me as the, the, the singer-songwriter, as it were. And um, so, it, you know, that, that process has always pretty much okay. been the same, where I write songs and then I bring them to the band and we all... Um, you know, we all work out arrangements and stuff. And, and for this record, it was uh, mostly done right, like immediately leading up to the studio, and then a little bit in the studio, uh, which was kind of similar to, to Salt um, in that regard. Um, but yeah, it was uh, the, the the methodology hadn't changed much, but I think uh, you know, just uh, our sensibilities maybe had uh, had just freshened up a little bit. Okay, and you know the new song "Diction" is so lush and earthy. How did recording in such a studio, a, a former Silversmith Mill in Philadelphia, you know, influence the the, the songs, you know, and, and the way that you played them in the studio? Like, did that affect it? Um, well, I mean, I guess I don't know that it, it specifically affected, like, you know, like, oh, that one section wouldn't have existed if not for the Silversmith uh, Mill, but. <laughs> Uh, but certainly the uh, the atmosphere that was really uh, it was just very comfortable, you know. Having having been in and around a lot of studios for the better part of my life at this point, mm-hmm. you know, there are, are are so many different fields and environments uh, that are created. 
some feel like antiseptic doctor's offices with carpet right. everywhere and, you know, and then some are just like sloppy holes in the wall that aren't <laughs> great for high fidelity recording, but they've got a lot of soul. Um, right. And and this this particular studio um, was more towards the latter, but not in a, I mean, but very, but not in a, like a low, terribly lo-fi way. It just had... Right. You know, it had this just great old quality to it, this big warehouse feel. And then inside of the big warehouse room, um, the guys in Dr. Dog um, had built um, these smaller rooms. So it's like a room inside of a large room uh, mm-hmm. where you would do the tracking. And I don't know, there was, some, there was definitely a, a feel to, to just kind of setting up in there. We were there for a few weeks recording, so we got to be really comfortable in there and um, you know, kind of feel it was tucked away just outside of Philadelphia in this, uh, you know, just beyond this little uh, development. And uh, so it really felt like we were sort of, uh, even though we were only 10 minutes from home, it felt like we were, you know, tucked away somewhere nice and, and remote and really let us uh, focus on what we were doing for sure. And how did, you know, working with, you know, how, how was working with Nathan Sabatino, who worked with bands like the aforementioned Dr. Dog? Oh, it was awesome. He's a great guy. Um, he's very laid back, very easygoing, uh, but also very knowledgeable and quite skilled uh, with engineering and, and, you know, knows, has, has some great ideas, you know, with equipment to use to capture the sounds and give us the, the textures that, you know, on the one hand we were looking for and then a few that we just, we didn't even realize we were looking for until, you know, he put up a mic and we're like, oh yeah, that sounds that's awesome, you know. So he, he definitely helped quite a bit in molding the sound of, of the record. Our bass player, Todd, uh, also plays with uh, Bertie Bush, and they had recorded a record with Nathan Pryor. So there was already some, some familiarity, and it didn't take long for us all to become real uh, chummy with one another. So it was, uh, it was good. It was a really great process. And, of course, starting a new tour on October 5th, you know, how, how do you approach you know, how do you prep for life on the road, especially after taking some time off? Um, well, it's not a um, – our, our touring, at this point, it's a little easier than it used to be because now we're actually um, getting hotel rooms <laughs> instead, of, instead of sleeping on people's um, floors and couches, which, you know, we still do every now and then, but that used to be our MO. You know, that used to be how we would go around all the time. Partially because, partially because we were playing smaller shows and the promoters weren't helping us out with, with that kind of stuff. But then also right. because it just saves a lot of money on the road for us. Um, right. But now that we're, you know, we're able to, to get a little better uh, quality of, of, of deal with our, the shows that we're doing. And also we're just realizing that as we get older, it's physically more difficult to uh, <laughs> sleep on the floor every night and, and, and feel and feel ready to actually perform a show to the best of our ability. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, you know, knowing that, knowing that we're going out there and, um, you know, it, we're not necessarily going to be um, slumming it, I guess, like we used to, <laughs> it, uh, it definitely, that's a, that's kind of a reassuring thing. But, you know, and, and also not being, having not been on the road a lot, in the in the recent past, um, it, it makes the road uh, more attractive. Basically, right. you know, it's, oh yeah, right. We go, 
you know, when we were touring nonstop, it was like, oh, we're going out again. Yeah. I've got to go, go home, unpack, wash, repack, and then we're out, you know. Now right. it's, um, now it's, it's a little more like, oh, yeah, it's more of an event uh, and more, more exciting for me, for sure, to be able to do that. So, you know, it's, uh, it's something we're all looking forward to. Great. And, you know, you guys have been together for more than 10 years now. What is one piece of advice that you'd like to give 2005 Sean about the band if you could go back in time? <laughs> uh, um, gosh, there's, uh, there's so much I would say for that. <laughs> man. Uh, <laughs> but I think uh, if, if anything, it would just be to um, really – Take everything as it comes and don't get hung up on on um, sort of the, the attempt to create an objective scale of success or an objective scale of, uh, of what, what it is that you're accomplishing, but really to just keep your head down and, and, and stay, stay in it, you know, stay in the, in the spirit of what's going on. Um, and, and also just to really listen. To yourself because mm-hmm. you know you can get really busy you can get really distracted when when things are, are are super busy and you start thinking about everything but what the voice inside of you is is really telling you what to do and I think you know uh, discovering that over the years was was very important for the longevity of not only the band but my my life as a as a creator you know as a, right. as a writer as a as a musician. And, of course, since we're talking about Hoots and Hellmouth past, what are your hopes for, you know, the, the next five years for the band? You know, I don't know. I, haven't, I don't really think about the next five years for, okay. for the band, to be honest with you. Um, I think uh, this, this album coming out is, is definitely a, um, a milestone for us to finally, you know, number one, to finally get it out after it, it being sort of in limbo <laughs> for two years. Right. <laughs> And, you know, I, I'm definitely curious to see how it's going to hit everybody, especially those who have been along the road, you know, with us for the whole ride. Because uh, it is quite a bit, quite a different uh, stylistic turn. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see how this works, how the tour works, how how the world reacts to it. I, you know, in like I said, in the interim, uh, when we were kind of on a break, I got involved in so many different kinds of music. And I currently have several projects running uh, at the same time, which... You know, I'm I'm also devoting a lot of time and, mm-hmm. and attention to. So, like the next five years is still sort of uh, knitting itself together in my head. Um, you know, I hopefully, well, definitely, we'll find a way to make room for everything to, right. to move together. Uh, but you know, as far as a, a no no real concrete ideas of what uh, what the future holds for this band, and honestly, that's kind of how I approach life in general. You know, I have. I have some ideas about what would be nice or what I would sure. like to do, but inevitably those shift and change and get rearranged, and and you have to be you know willing to uh, to roll with that. And I'm uh, definitely at a point now in my life where I actually like that. I like the big <laughs> question mark staring me down in the future because it just means everything is possible, and yeah. who knows who knows where all of these various roads are going to go and what I'm going to see along the way and who I'm going to meet and what, what we'll accomplish. So I'm, uh, I'm keeping it all wide open. <laughs>
Awesome, awesome. Well, that's all I got for you, sir. So thank you so much for talking to us. It was great to catch up with you. And I look yeah. forward to seeing you guys in Brooklyn. Right on, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Have a great tour and, you know, have a great rest of your day as well. Thank you, too. So that was my interview with Sean Hoots of Hoots and Hellmouth. Was it? It was. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard a rumor. <laughs> oh, man. No, it was a great interview. And uh, I mean, you know, I was t- telling you about this before. It's um, strange when you hear interviews from people like outside of the city. And I guess having lived in Pennsylvania for 10 years, there are just certain things that people from Pennsylvania say where you're like going, they're from Pennsylvania. Like what? Like what? Just how he was like going, you know, I'm going to gonna take some time off and relax and have family time and stuff. It's such a concept that seems so foreign living here in the city now. And I know Philly's a city as well, but I mean, it's not something you hear most people from this area say. And see, and I'm from Pennsylvania. I lived my entire, what, first 30 Five years of my life oh, in Pennsylvania. Math. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I can't do it, so I'm just gonna go with 35. It's not. It's it's less than that. 35 because... seems like a good amount. Okay. But we've been living here for four years, and I'm 39, so 35 right, ish. All right. You know, but and that's like the area of Pennsylvania where I'm from. People are not like that. They don't take time off. And like when you know you get laid off, as I am currently, it's a big deal, <laughs> and people flip out because they don't understand the concept of not having a job. They don't under. You know what I mean? Like because I come from like a coal mining area, which I've talked about before, and like it's a hard people. Like they're very hard and angry and I feel like they can make a cider commercial off of the they people really of Northeast could, of Pennsylvania yeah. or like an angry orchard commercial yeah, yeah. first it's angry but like really but angry just the right amount of sweet but then it's like but not the right amount of sweet <laughs> still a little bit bitter a little bit bitter <laughs> from all of that black lung but you know it you know, you you say that, and and I get it. The work ethic is definitely hard. I'm not I'm not doubting the work ethic or anything like that. I'm just saying that I feel like people in Pennsylvania know how to like split time better between work and family, because I, I feel like family is very deep rooted in Pennsylvania. Like, where yeah, where here it's kind of like. It is work. It is go. And maybe it's because the kids are older now and stuff like that. And we're thinking more along the lines of you do what you got to do as a right. kid. We do what we got to do to make sure that your, you know, your future is secure. Right. And maybe, too, because, you know, you have a home to go home to where a lot of people in the city, like, we don't have the world's biggest apartment. But we have an apartment that's a perfect size for us. It's very decently sized. Right. So it's like... A lot of people, you know, they might have roommates and things like that. So there's not so much that, like, home environment or, you know, so, like, I'm going to stay at work longer and it's not going to be that big a deal. And then I'm going to go meet my friends at the bar or restaurant that we go to or go see a play or go do something. Like, you're more on the move here because there's a hell of a lot more to do. Right. And I think psychologically it's also a thing where – 
you know, you might go and say, you know, I'm in an office building and then I'm in an apartment building. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's everything is basically the same structure, just named differently. Where in Pennsylvania, you go to an office building and then you, like you said, go to a house or an apartment, but it's in a suburban setting. It's right. a little bit different. I mean, and you're not like, and especially like you know, we're, like New Yorkers are very compartmentalized, like you said, in an office. And then when you're done in an office, you go into the box of an apartment. But even in between that, you go in the box of a, a subway. subway. <laughs> you know, so it's like I don't know. Like I don't know if that like does anything, but it really has nothing to do with Hoots and Hellmouth. <laughs> Which is really what I was gonna try to like get back into again. So when we started talking about like. You know, you saying that you were going to do this interview and stuff like that, you made me listen to some music because, as you had mentioned, that you definitely had experience with them before. Um, You had songs that you liked of theirs and stuff, and you played me their old stuff, and then you played me their new stuff. Mm -hmm. And they have a new song out called Diction, which is the first track off of In the Trees. Yes, and I have to say... Having heard now both the old and the new and not knowing anything about them beforehand, Mm -hmm. definitely a fan of the new stuff over the old stuff. Yeah, and I could see that because you never were really like a big like bluegrassy rootsy kind of music, which is really what they've like, you know, they're still they still have that kind of, you know, influence on their music. But like it's not as prevalent as it was because they've changed. It's been five years. They have, you know, like he said, he has family now. And so like you, you do change as a musician and everything. Right. And it definitely feels more polished. Like everything, yeah. everything, you know, from what I heard about from now mm-hmm. sounds definitely more polished. Yeah. It's tighter. Like I feel like maybe that's even also a thing of just age in general. Of, right. You know, when you're younger, just wanting to get a record out and heard and stuff sure. like that and yeah. get it on tour where now it's kind of like, all right, we being on the road isn't like you know, the big selling point. It's being in the studio and making something that's incredible, which, you know, I really like the song that came off the new album. Yeah, and I do too. And like I had said, you know, during the interview, like it's very lush and it's very earthy. Like, and it's just, like it just makes you want to just keep listening and and listen again and again. And I really, really liked that. And, you know, the fact that it was, and it was done by um, Nathan Sabatino is... The producer and he's produced Dr. Dog, who also is home base for this silver, this former silversmith mill where they recorded it. Like it's a studio of Dr. Dog, who is a huge, huge Philadelphia band. Indeed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so now you had mentioned during the interview that they were going to be coming around here to Brooklyn. Yes. Yeah. Their tour starts off um, on October 5th. Yes. At the Beachland Tavern in Cleveland, Ohio, mm-hmm. and then it ends um, on twelve to on December second at the Ardmore Music Hall in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. But they're going to be playing some, you know, a lot bigger places than I saw them, you know, at the Bog in Scranton, Pennsylvania, all those years ago. You know, the Bog was a very tiny little bar and everything, and now they're going to be playing at Brooklyn Bowl in Brooklyn, which is like a really big venue, on um, November eighteenth. 
I love Brooklyn Bowl. Brooklyn Bowl was so fun. I mean, not even, we didn't even bowl, but it was just like such a cool vibe. And we saw like a really cool band there too. Yeah. Uh, what was it? We tobacco. saw tobacco there. Yes. Yes. Which I was, was in love. Very weird. It was very <laughs> weird, and I was very drunk, and I just remember having a very good time. Yes. It w- Brooklyn Bowl is a really, really awesome place. Mm-hmm. But going back, the bog also. I mean, for the area that we lived in, mm-hmm. the bog was like it was the top place notch, where yeah. everybody would go to play. Like if you were a band. You a, wanted to play right. in the bog. Especially a band like theirs. Because like they it had a very rootsy, like like a rootsy, like Brooklynish kind of vibe. Like Yes. It's very amongst the people. It's accessible. <laughs> like you feel like you're a part of the show yeah. when you go to a show at the bog. Yeah. Like I spent many a night. I, I spent way too many nights in the bog. Oh, I am aware. <laughs> I am aware. Ugh. But um I think they're going to do, listening from, like I said, from what I heard, I think that they will do very, very well in Brooklyn. I feel like that is mm-hmm. definitely a good fit for them, especially yeah. that particular venue. I mean, it yeah, is. Yeah, it's going to be a really good fit for them. Um, yeah. Yeah, so In the Trees, um, like we said, drops on October 28th. Yes. And you should definitely check it out. Their website is Hoots and Hellmouth. Oh. And it's A-N-D. Yes, don't do the and percent because Nikki will send you an email saying don't screw up the graphic or anything else, and it's kind of like, all right, I'll make you redo it. I get it. You do anyway. It's cool, whatever. But yes, yeah, definitely check this band out. They're really good. You know, I really loved talking to them. Yeah, and it was great to get some more music acts on the show again. Actually, I I miss being. I, I love music because it's something that I cannot do. Like, I just, I, I don't have the ears for music. Like, I'm so, I can't sing, as you know, as you listeners know, too, as I sometimes make you suffer with my singing. I like, try to edit it out, people. <laughs> I really do my best. It doesn't mean it always works, but, but I, I try. Just, but music is such an important part of my life, and I love talking to musicians about what inspires them. I mean, I love talking to anybody about what inspires them because I'm just a nosy person like that. You really I are. Really you're am. in the perfect field. You're I know, a nosy I know. bitch. I you are so always up in people's nosy. business. I am. If we didn't have this show, I'm afraid you'd be hanging out the window just looking in the alley waiting for people to do stuff. So you could be like, hey, what's going on down there? Why are you acting <laughs> like I don't do that already? Because <laughs> you're usually pretty quiet Because you know if you yelled, hey, what are you doing down there? Somebody would look up at you and you'd go cowering if i hear a noise like i i like so quietly like now like something just what happened out the, i don't know it sounded like somebody like either let a firecracker off or like dropped something and i'm like are they setting up for a party are those sons of bitches setting up for a party or usually you go to is that a gunshot you slow down with that a lot but i, I mean there to, was yeah, a time where down. every time some there would be like any kind of like bang, you'd be like, "Is that a gunshot?" And I'd be like, "Why would it be a gunshot all?" You the know time? where I came from. I came from a place where the noisiest thing that you heard was maybe a deer going, <sighs> and a gunshot, and maybe a gunshot <laughs> right after. Yeah, I feel like you had more gunshots when you lived expected. there. It was more expected there. Come because... on, man. Seriously, I feel like you know, Sean from you know Hoots and Hellmouth probably hears more gunshots where he is. <laughs> Because in his backyard is the woods, not because of the, what's going on in the in you don't Philly. Know that just because like I love how you think, because I've gotten over being pissed off about it because I really don't care what Embrace you think it. about Pennsylvania because I don't give a shit about it. But like I love how you think the entire state is just like 
you think Pennsylvania is West Virginia. Like, I honestly legitimately think that you get West Virginia and Pennsylvania mixed up. And if you're from West Virginia, I apologize. But come on. (laughs) (laughs) There has never been a time still to this day, and after living there for 10 years, where I have gone to Pennsylvania and didn't think that I was either going to run into Kid Rock or Ted Nugent. Like, I seriously felt like, yep, I'm going to run into one of these guys. Absolutely, for sure. And and then you get my dad, who was, like, pretty much both of them. Yeah. But the weird thing is that, like, you say that, but you cannot deny still, like, I talk to people at work where they're, like, going, oh, my friends are going up to Pennsylvania. What are they doing? Hunting. I'm like, you know people that hunt at. at I work. don't. I, no, people at my work don't, but their, their friends, friends do. do, and they'll they'll be like, "Oh, my friends are going like deer hunting and stuff like that." And I'm like, I going, can't imagine anybody <sighs> you know at work knows people that hunt. Yeah, you can because some of them like live and lived in like New Jersey. A lot of them lived in like northern New Jersey, close to the Pennsylvania All line. Right. So, you know, luckily they broke away and came down to the big city and you know <laughs> shaked it. The only way to make it in the big city is to shake it. But, you know, <laughs> for the people who stayed stayed up there, I mean, what do you do? I mean, that's just a normal thing. Every one of my neighbors, every every single person I knew in my community, all hunted. Well, yeah, obviously. I mean, we didn't have school on, like, hunting the Monday. Day. What was it? The Monday after Thanksgiving? Like, yeah. Like, school's literally closed for hunting. Yep. First day of hunting season, everybody would have off, but not for Martin Luther King's birthday. What does that tell you about Pennsylvania? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, it was absolutely insane. So, yeah, every time you hear a noise outside, doesn't it, instead of worrying <laughs> if it's a gunshot, just be like, oh, it's like home. <laughs> You'll be so much bet more relaxed. somebody got them an eight-point buck now, didn't they? It's <laughs> the fact that you know the terminology makes me just want to be like, told you so. Oh, my God. Told you so. Shut <laughs> up, you Long Island dirtbag. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> I think we had enough of this. Oh, I love it. As soon as I, like, open the door to, like, insult Long we Island. We had enough of this. <laughs> Long Island strong. Forget it, man. I don't even want you to know what you're saying. Forget it. And I love how everybody steals that phrase now. Long Island, yeah, strong, hashtag strong, yeah. Yeah, that was Long Island strong, everybody, not Boston strong, not wherever the hell it is you are I'm going to build a wall around Long Island is what I'm going to do. I feel like there is a wall around Long Island already. (laughs) (laughs) That's a wall of water. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. And if you're afraid of water, it's a very, very successful wall. Why don't we go into this week's uh, Roly Poly Rorty? Because, you know, this is it, man. This is it, man. This is it. We're slipping into go time. Yup. You're going to go under the knife tomorrow. All right. So, crank it. Roly Poly Rorty. Roly Poly Rorty. So... <laughs> I think to uh, start this week's Roly Poly Rorty, we should just say, how's it going, Tom? <laughs> well, Nikki, <laughs> as you know, we've said in the beginning of the show that we recorded this entire program a week early so that it would be out on time. We say this particular segment until the last possible minute because, you know, it's usually eight to ten minutes. We could just plug this one section in 
the rest of the editing is done, the show can go up. Tomorrow, I'm supposed to get the call from the surgical coordinator. With your time, like they always, because they always have to wait until the last minute. Yep. And then Friday surgery. So rather than wait till tomorrow and try to get a bunch of stuff ready, because I know we have blog posts coming up, which I need to put graphics together for you for. And you got to pack your overnight bag, hopefully. And I got to pack my overnight bag if it actually happens. (laughs) Then, you know, I figured then, well, you know, we could do roly-poly Rorty today. Just two days before the surgery. And then what happened today, Tom? And then today. (laughs) (laughs) Just like everyone would expect what happened with my luck. I get a phone call from the surgical coordinator. First, let's say it happened yesterday. Is my first phone call that I had gotten from the surgical coordinator. And she was saying, I'm going through your files. I noticed that you do not have a letter from your doctor saying that you are cleared for surgery. And I was like, well, that's impossible because she told me that she sent it to you on the 16th of September. Right. Which was over a week ago. So... The surgical coordinator is like, well, I don't see it here anywhere. And next thing you know, she starts looking through her files. She goes, false alarm. I found it. I'm going to send it off to the insurance company now. We should be all set. So she had one job, and that was to make sure that the paper pusher had all the paper that she needed to push. That's it. Okay. That's it. So basically, when you get this operation done, what you need is you need a letter from a psychiatrist or psychologist saying that you have been going to them regularly and that they do not think that you have a food addiction, even though I would highly disagree with the fact that I do not have a food addiction. Or maybe it's just that I haven't had food in so long that I feel like I am starting to grow a food addiction problem at this point you in time <laughs> definitely have morphed into me like the food like talking about food and stuff that was always my my gig and now like you have not stopped talking about food like this week especially i can't but the good news is that there was light at the tunnels at the end of the tunnel so i'm always thinking to myself like all right well i got what Couple of days to go. Yeah, you were really good with like go, I'll make scratching it. in you know the prison cell, like in the prison cell wall. You know what I mean? Like you're really mind. good <laughs> at scratching like your days away because like you're like only eleven more days to go, only this many more days. Like you were really good about that. Right. So when I got her from yesterday, I was like going, okay, that's the last piece that she needs. Supposedly, I'm. Um, I was kind of glad that I heard from her because I haven't heard anything from her in over a week, mm-hmm. and I had my pre-op last Which week. Which we thought was a good sign because. That's what it was supposed to be. True, but still a little nerve-wracking that you don't hear from the person at all. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm glad I heard from you. I'm glad that it wasn't anything major that was missing. Sure. So all and you got to do is send fixed. it in. Yeah. Sure, Yay, you have it. Woo. So. Today. Crisis averted. <laughs> so today, I get a phone call at 3.30 in the afternoon. It wasn't like it was in the morning. Which is the end of ready. the day. It's, it, it's, it's the really end of the day. It's like doctor's hours try to track somebody down after 3 30 with something of importance and i wish you the best of luck whatever the hell it is you're trying to get done because it is not an easy task so today at 3 30 i get a phone call from the surgical coordinator saying hey listen i know we spoke yesterday and i have your letter of clearance but the insurance company is now bouncing back this letter of clearance because in it there was a stipulation Because six years ago... In 2010. In 2010, (laughs) I had a blood clot in my leg. You did. And it was not good. 
it was not good. And even after the blood clot situation was over, I was supposed to be, you know, giving myself injections to the stomach for, you know, a month. It wound up being four months because they could not regulate my blood. It it kind of really, it made it worse than it did better. Sure, yeah. The, the way, by the time it was all said and done. But what did they care? Because <laughs> they were getting a cut every time I had a yeah. visit. So it was like, please come the more. We'll just right, do more yeah. tests. Take more needles. So it was four months of needles to the stomach, something I never want to repeat again. But my doctor, having heard about my past medical history, even though, again, it was six years ago, wanted to make 100% sure that this would not be an issue coming up for this particular surgery. Which you can't falter for, you know, wanting to take precautions because it is a big deal. But. But. Her idea of this was instead of just reading all of the old files, which I tracked down. And it wasn't easy. Right. Because I had to call a hospital that no longer exists. That doesn't exists even exist anymore, yeah. And get records from them. I had to call up, you know, a doctor who I haven't seen in six years and see if they were able to, like, dig stuff out of their basement files to in order to, like, fax them right. over. Right. And luckily, you know, we were able to get those files. And... Yep. Got everything they needed. She still wanted me to see it to hematologist. Mm-hmm. So I did. See the hematologist. He and I were talking. He was concerned at the fact that nobody knew back then where the blood clot came from. Mm-hmm. Did you travel? Nope. Do you sit in a chair for a long amount of times? No, not really. Not back then. Well, I would like to do some tests. All right, you could do those tests. After the tests were done, he said, not a problem. You're you're clear. You're clear. He goes and says, I clear you for surgery. There's no issue whatsoever. Takeoff. He goes and says, I will send a note to your doctor today, which he did. That was a week ago. Mm-hmm. So my doctor gets to know, tells me she gets to know. I think I'm in good shape. I go to pre-op. They say they know that everything is in the clear because they see the notes from the mm-hmm. hematologist. They only take the blood test they have to at the pre-op because I had just had tests the day before from the hematologist. Yep. And then today I get a phone call from the coordinator again saying there was a note. In the original letter written by your doctor saying you were cleared for surgery, saying it is going to be cleared as long as you have, you know, clearance from a hematologist. Mm -hmm. And we don't have the note from the hematologist. So the insurance company so far is not providing you coverage until Mm -hmm. we get that note. So do you think you can call your doctor and have her fax me this note? Okay, well, again, it's 3.30 in the afternoon. Right. I call my doctor. I get her answering machine. I leave a message, say, this is dire emergency. Tomorrow I'm supposed to be scheduled for a surgery happening on Friday. That you've been waiting, you know, nine months to have. Yes. Seven months worth of paperwork, but technically nine months to make the pain go away, which has been crazy severe at this point in time. So I leave her a message. Don't hear back from her. I call the hematologist's office, who's in the same building as the (laughs) gastro surgeons, and I explain the story to them, and they're like, all right, Mr. Rorty, we're looking like at the online portal, which... Which everybody communicates with each other, right. Your surgical coordinator has this functionality. I'm reading the note that's in it right now. I don't know why she doesn't have it. So I go, well, what am I looking at as far as an issue coming up? Because she doesn't see it. Can you fax it to her or whatever? And the woman's like, I will give your surgical coordinator a call, but 
she goes, if she doesn't get it in in time, or the insurance company, let's say, gets it early tomorrow but doesn't have time to process it, there's no surgery on Friday. So two weeks of not eating. And, and mood swings and, and mood anger. Swings. I mean, my God, the mood swings this week have been just ridiculous. I think to say the anger is more than anything right now. And on I've the- never seen, like, I've seen you angry. Like, you get angry at the drop of a hat, but... This anger, this is an anger level that like I've not seen from you. Well, I would say it's like hangry. It's it's literally like you know people joke about being hangry. hangry. It is like the hangry to the nth degree, like the nth level. Yes, I could see that. I was seriously on the way home, like on the train tonight, thinking to myself, at this point in my life, like I don't think I don't know like how certain people are going to be able to say after a year like i am so glad that i went through this like i really highly doubt i will be able to let go of what i'm feeling right now for a year like i don't see it because well you do like to hold on to your anger that's for sure true but i feel <laughs> right now i'm not living for anything happy the only my only motivative my only motivating factor is anger at this point in time anger is where i'm getting the energy for to get up in the morning and know that I have to go to work and like plow through even though I feel like shit. And it's also like the thing that makes me have to be on the phone with doctors, you know, two, three, four times a day for the past right. seven months in order to get to this point right now. So there's there's nothing, there's no happiness as far as this procedure is concerned right now. There is nothing like there's not even anything to look forward to right now because it might not even happen as of right now. But I guess we will find that out in next week's show, which leaves you with an incredible cliffhanger, if I do say so myself. It is. It's like who <laughs> shot JR? <laughs> who didn't do an incision on Tom? <laughs> that will be the person that gets shot. The person that doesn't do the incision Stop on it. Tom at this point Stop in time. It. So I think that's about it. Yeah, I think we should maybe just wrap that up. All right. And that is this week's Roly Poly Rorty. That is not very Roly Poly, that's for sure. Not very Roly Poly. But be sure to check out Nikki's article this week. Um, Which talks a little bit about dealing with this non-Roly Poly Tom. Yes, and I don't want to see it until it's done and posted because... (laughs) I have a feeling I know what's going. All right, everybody. On to the next segment. And that's it. The final roly-poly rorty before the actual uh, surgical procedures. The next roly-poly rorty, you might not be so roly-poly. You know, I got to say, I'm not that roly-poly now. I lost 12 pounds in six days just being on the stupid liquid diet. I hate you. And that was the first six days. Who knows what it is now that we're, you know, recording this thing in the past for the future. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? You just went like so like time space continuum Matthew McConaughey on me. Are you in a Lincoln right now? <laughs> Shh, no talking to the Lincoln. Just be it. Just be it. I love McConaughey's new commercial, seriously. You like, do every time you make me no stop words. talking. no words. I know. <laughs> You're no like, words. shh. McConaughey's not talking. Let's just feel the Lincoln. Let's just feel the Lincoln with him. L-I-C-O-L-N. <laughs> 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 yeah, L.I. colon, I got you. What? Is that not it? 
No. Oh, well, I tried. <laughs> L.I. Nicolin? You just, like, totally misspelled, like, one of Nicolin. the greatest American presidents, like, ever. Well, that depends on what side of the fence you're on. <laughs> so, I mean, seriously, let's be honest here. We're in a very, very split country right now. So, we, you know, we can't just assume everybody is oh, normal like up. us. Because I feel like... People are creeping out of the woodworks right now, and it is scary, man. <laughs> it's scary time. It is very scary. I don't know where everybody all of a sudden got, like, their, you know... Panties in a bunch? No, I was going to say just their courage. I feel like I feel like half the country got drunk and just feel like they could say whatever they want to at this point in time, where it's kind of like, eh, it was better when everybody was a little bit quieter, maybe. It was better when everybody wasn't such, yeah, like that they weren't so ignorant. Like ignorance is so prevalent right now. Well, because nobody's like researching anything. Just because talking. we don't have to, we don't have to be politically correct anymore. And we're also in a time where everybody's voice gets to be heard because of social media and stuff like that. So True. everybody's just like going, "Well, hear me. I might not know what I'm talking about, but hear me." One of the best ones. Everybody wants to be Mario Lopez right now. Everyone wants. And settle down, motherfuckers, because you don't all have mics. So until you get them, there could be only one. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not even him. So tough luck. But this week I saw an interview on Facebook, which I thought was kind of hysterical and definitely summed up what half of this country is like, you know, the mindset of them at this point in time. It was, I guess, somebody, one, some lo- local news station or something was interviewing people. And this guy was going nuts about 9-11 and, like, what happened. Did I you see I this? I think I saw the meme of it. I didn't see the interview, but I think I saw, like, the meme of it. Holy shit. You might know this guy. But... <laughs> But he was this guy going ape shit about 9-11. And then he was, like, talking about, like, how Obama did nothing during 9-11. And he was on vacation. And And he was on vacation during 9-11. And you can't believe, like, you know, how could this possibly be? And the reporter just looked so confused during this guy's rant (laughs) and was finally like, why do you think it was that Obama was on vacation during (laughs) 9-11? And the guy was like, I don't know, but I'd like to get to the bottom of it. like seven years before he got into office like yeah it was kind of like i'm willing to bet your party was in office when it happened to be honest exactly because he was he was wearing like a make america great again yeah and it was just like like an old man wearing it but he wasn't like an old man like and like i said i only saw the meme and i was just like oh my god but that kind of goes into like when we were watching the local news when i was in pennsylvania the night that charlotte you know, every like when everyone started protesting and like all this stuff happened earlier this week in Charlotte, I was like, okay, like my mom made me stop watching. Obviously, we had to watch Fox News because that's the channel of choice in my home. Well, it's the only my way you're going to get home. a fair and balanced. <laughs> True, look, you're, 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 look you're on the so Charlotte right. And like today. after listening to the Hannity show, I was like, I don't have enough like tweets in me to like how angry I am at this fucking guy. Like, this guy, like, he, and even my mom is like, he is such a sensationalist, I don't like him, but I don't like him enough to, like, change to a different channel. But, okay, that's fine. But the local (laughs) news, right, like, the night that these riots broke out and, like, there was, you know, things happening and it was, it was, I forget what it was, if it was, like, Wednesday night maybe when a gentleman got shot on camera. 
Like a guy got shot at the protest on camera. I think it was last Tuesday. Whenever it was, I don't know. Like I I can't remember when it was, but like outside of like the Ritz Carlton in Charlotte, like, you know, there's a very fancy hotel. And like the police were there like barricading trying to keep people from going into the hotel and shots rang out. And I don't I wasn't I, I don't know what happened to the story, but like this guy got shot in the crowd and it happened like as we were watching the news. By another protester, not by, another by a protester. cop. Right. Like yeah. it was just protest versus right. protester violence so, at this point. So this was happening like before the eleven o'clock news started. And I understand that like a lot of stuff with news is like this is what we're gonna be talking about. And I'm waiting and I watched that whole goddamn half an hour. The new the fucking weather was like 10 minutes long. The guy kept repeating himself over and over. And it was just like, you literally just told me like what tomorrow's forecast is going to be like four times. They talked about local football. They talked about some like local, like freaking like high school soccer team or something like that. Yes. They talked about the the election, like Trump and Clinton's debate or something like they gave like maybe like a 30 second like saying like this is when the debate is happening and whatever nothing about charlotte but i got to see like a seven and a half minute segment on a boy scout troop (laughs) and 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 i was just like you're not even gonna mention like i understand it's local news but i'm like the news like most of the news that they were covering was like 50 miles from where i was and from where their studio was so it's like I think you can take away the Boy Scouts and maybe cover what's happening in the real world right now. Yes, you would think that. But again, it goes back to it's where you grew up is more of a wholesome place. Like, you got to think of it like this. Wholesome. Yeah. It is It is in a bubble. It is it literally is. It in a bubble. Yeah. So, like, when people, like, are kind of surprised about, like, who people are voting for and stuff like that, you have to look at, like, what they're what their you know news source is what's what they're being shown mm-hmm. because if you're not seeing these issues you don't know that they exist and in your life things are pretty goddamn good so you could just vote whoever you want to vote and mm-hmm. it doesn't really make a difference it doesn't matter if obama wasn't in the white house when 9-11 happened because if he's the one that the news is telling you to blame Mm-hmm. And you don't know any better. It's kind of like, oh, well, this is what it is. I'm not yeah, voting exactly. for that party. I'm voting for a different one because exactly. I don't want this again. And it wasn't until I moved here where I started getting my own opinions and realizing that the world is a lot different than I was brought up to believe. Well, I mean, New York, you cannot bubble the news. And I feel like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, like any big city, you can't <clears throat> put a news in a bubble because... People come from too many different places. Right. And they're like, oh, well, I want to see what's happening in my hometown. And it only takes one person from, you know, North Carolina to see this report and share it with everybody. And now that news is in the spotlight here. Yeah. Which isn't happening in Pennsylvania because most of the people that are in Pennsylvania Have were opinion. born there and lived <clears throat> right. there their whole lives. And they're going to die there, yeah. Yeah, like, and that's just what it is. And their opinions that they have about certain people and certain places and certain things are the same opinions that their parents and their parents and their parents before them had about those people and those places and those things. And that's what it has always been. And you can't fault them for it because they don't know any better. It's until you get into a place that has, you know, an open media policy Mm -hmm. that you realize, like, man, the world is way more fucked up than we're letting on to believe. Mm -hmm. You know what it's like? It's almost like being in Logan's run. 
and being like exactly. under the ground, just like in your own world, you know, you think at like age 30, you're going to just float up, blow up and die. And that's going to be the end of it. And you just accept it for what it is until you reach sanctuary and you realize, damn, it's all a lie. It's like there's so much more exactly. out there. Like, as you were talking, I was like, oh, my God, I'm picturing Logan's run. Yeah. Oh, my it, God. Exactly. Like, and that's exactly it. Like, you don't live like you just and like the people that don't see the things that we see that I didn't see until I moved here when the shit hits the fan they're gonna be hit the hardest because they're gonna be like I didn't see this coming well yeah it's think of like these small places that are having these situations happen now where whenever there's like marching in the streets and the police are going out with tear gas tanks and stuff like that to to control the crowds as opposed to here where there's a march literally every weekend there's I all, feel yeah, like there's yeah. always a protest and, for something and that was something that they even they said on the news is like this police force was not prepared for this because Charlotte from what I mean my, my brother lives near the area and stuff and like it's been a quiet like it's it, this doesn't They've happen been lucky. there. They've yeah. been very lucky. Yeah, like this doesn't, this isn't the sort of thing that happens there. So it's like, they were just like, what? And like, even just watching like as the Fox News' cameras were watching and like, you know, they weren't skewing it in any way because it was happening live and I was watching it live while the anchors were watching it live. The police were just like taking a knee because they were like, what the hell do we do? Like, what are we doing? And, and Well, that's where accidents happen. I feel like this is the same situation that happened in St. Louis when these riots started happening. They started out as peaceful protests, and then there's some pushback, and then this thing blows up, yeah. and then nobody knows how to handle it. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened, like, in Michigan, where there's protest and the police don't know how to handle it, and there's pushback, and then it blows up. Right. Now yeah. in Carolina. Here in New York... People do protests, and the police just know. Let them do the protest. Right. Like, they need to We've be heard. Seen it, yeah. Let them do it. It's going to be on the news anyway. There's no point of trying to cover this up. Right. Let them go. Get right. it out of the system. That's it. It lasts for an hour to three hours. It ends. We all understand what the message is. Everybody does try to make right. a difference for the next couple of days. And it's like a peaceful way to do it. But when you're not faced with that and you just see like a bunch of people marching down the street that you're especially groups that you're not used to like being integrated with, it's 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 yeah. gotta be a scary for yeah. for that side to, to deal with what's happening at the time. Right, absolutely. And that's it. So why don't we get into it? Did you know? Because did you know I just rambled on way too fucking long about that? And who knows why? Because I'm Mario Lopez. <laughs> I'll do what I want. That's it. That's why. Can we play the Did You Know music? Yeah, go. Please do. Beep. Did you know? Did you know that aside from Hoots and Hellmouth, a wide variety of music has come out of Philadelphia over the years. I had no idea, Tom. You knew it. But did our listeners know it? <laughs> Seriously, I'm come on. I'm assuming they're going to know a few. <laughs> well, they'll know the bands, but whether or not they know that they actually came out of Philadelphia, I mean, that's kind of the surprising thing because you're looking at like these world stage acts and you're like going, huh, Pennsylvania, huh? Yeah, because Pennsylvania is only known for hicks and shotguns. And what else? Hillbillies? Yeah, go which on. Which is Hicks, yeah. You know. Go on, you want to come up with some more? Um, you want help? Rednecks. Rednecks, yeah. I was going to say <laughs> Black Bear. 
um, watering holes. Um, all right. Anyway. Fuck off, Tom. So just to give you an idea of the bands that have have come out of the Philadelphia area over the last <laughs> few years. Notice how I didn't say the Dallas, Pennsylvania area, Nikki. Um, here are a few. Pink, Hall and Oates, two guys, two not guys, one. Two guys, not one. <laughs> two guys, not one. <laughs> Patty LaBelle. Patty LaBelle? Yes, ma'am. I did not know that. Joan Jett. I did not know that either. Ah, see? Um, Dr. Dog, which we had already mentioned. And look at you getting up on your up and up. One of my favorites, which I was kind of surprised. And then I'm like, man, I think I knew that. But then forgot about it for some reason. The Dead Milkmen. You liked the Dead Milkmen? I was going through a phase. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not know that they were from Pennsylvania either. Yep. The Delphonics. A favorite of Mr. Quentin Tarantino's. Well, there you go. Whose early movies with music from the Delphonics were a lot better than some of his long, yeah. drawn-out movies even, That's that a show all in and of itself. Kind of resembles some of these segments. <laughs> um, Boys to Men. Yes, Motown Philly, goddammit. So Back again. Chubby Checker. Come on, baby. And... What I believe... He crossed his arms now, everyone. Tom is sitting there. He sat back in his chair. If you don't know, this might actually blow you away. But if you don't know it, I'm going to be a little bit sad. Cinderella. Of course I knew that. Oh, well, see, then I'm going to bother. Whatever. It's not that exciting. Like, look at you. Like, you, you literally crossed your arms and were like, you were going to try to stump me. I was going to try to stump you because it's just strange. Like, Cinderella, I feel like during that time of hair metal, like... Every hair metal band, I feel like by law had to come from like California. LA. No, yeah, absolutely. And, and and yes, Poison came from Pennsylvania. My favorite childhood band, Poison, was from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. And that oh, because I only looked up, I only looked up. Right, but I'm just saying, like but, they were another band that came from Pennsylvania. But that that's mind blowing to me because I just I'm like going, mm-hmm. where does that like, especially like hair metal or glam rock, whatever you want to call it how does that relate well, to its... anything with Pennsylvania whatsoever? Because... There's no sunshine or big booby bimbos running <laughs> big around. Big booby bimbos, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, well, you got to have them if you want to well, be you in do. a yeah, glam band. Gotta... Like, seriously, come yeah, on. Obviously. I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> She's my cherry pie, man. <laughs> That's right. Which kind of makes sense, because I feel like you'd make cherry pies in, you know, Pennsylvania, maybe. That, I mean, like the a, Amish. Like a pie cooking thing. The Amish is, do surely. Make... You know, the Amish that you claim that I live among, they are well known for their, you know, baking prowess. Well, as long as nobody starts singing about, like, you know, he's my fickle fudge or something like that, <laughs> I feel like we're in good shape. That, that'll be a he's whole different my, genre. He's my fickle fudge. <laughs> That's what they sing in the barns that they build. <laughs> oh, those are those secret places. Don't talk about those. Here, they're wide open. They can do whatever you want. But in Pennsylvania, low key, low key. Oh my god! Keep your boas in the closet. So that's it. I I, I was very surprised at that list with some of those names. I mean, there and the roots huge too. The roots. Names. The roots are like synonymous, like in Questlove with with Philadelphia, and they well, do I a didn't big put thing that there. Down. I know you did, and I'm just saying <laughs> that like they're a big band to like omit from your list of Philadelphia area. Well, my apologies to all of the bands that I left off my short list of nine. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, I don't have time to put everybody okay, well, on Okay, well, now you got ten, so. No, I have ten. So, that, before Nikki takes it over and starts schooling me on every other Philadelphia band, is this week's Did You Know? 
did you know? Because God forbid Nikki talk for longer than a minute. Oh, Nikki, you got a lot of minutes in this week. And I feel like... <laughs> and, and we know who's keeping track. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm looking at the uh, counter right now. You're doing you're doing all right. You're doing all right. <laughs> I'd definitely say you met your quota for this week. I guess so. So <laughs> women should be seen and not heard on the High Regard show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, I'm going to put your picture up. Seen, huh? <laughs> you keep thinking we're on video. You always make comments that were like seen and not heard. Whatever. You have to be heard, or nobody would even know you're here. They'll just think it's me just talking to a chair. You might be chair. <laughs> chair. Chair. Oh boy! All right, it's time. We are wrapping it up. Thank you guys so much for listening to this, the fifty-third issue of the High Regard episode. Issue episode sure it could be the way it depends or do the it. first episode of season two well what if you're where tom continues his rambles what if you're deaf and you have to actually print it out and read the show it would be an issue i'm gonna have an issue if you don't wrap it up and check out the website which we will of course update with the show every monday with our new thing called Wild Card Wednesdays, which we're going to try to get Tyler Durden to draw up more photos or us putting up articles about yeah, be whatever sure to the check hell out we want. The first installment from the BXC Festival in Brooklyn, if you haven't already. Some great photos from the festival. Yes, and thank you for, to BXC for letting us come yeah. down and actually yeah, shoot the thing and stuff like that. Yes. And uh, also, um, every Friday will be Fitness Fridays with our segment that we will be putting online of Roly Poly Rorty, like the written diaries. Yes, the diaries of both Tom and I as Tom goes through this and throws his tantrums and I'm there with my poison pen in hand just waiting for my turn. That's true. Next week is your article. It is actually, my article, so yes. There we have it. Um, you can always check out the website at highregardshow.com and if you want to send in any comments or any other bullshit, who knows what you guys got to say, <laughs> um, you can send them to highregardshow at gmail.com. And join the fun and conversation and follow along Tom's weight loss journey on Instagram and every other social media outlet that we have at High Regard Show. And be sure to check out the new Hoots and Hellmouth album released October 28th and their tour starts on October 5th. So check them out at hootsandhellmouth.com. Yes. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate you stopping by. Yes, Sean. Glad we got to catch up. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 